Plato said, don't use compulsion, but let your children's lessons take the form of play. You will learn more about their natural abilities that way. This week's guest, Ray Mosier, and I are talking about parenting and specifically around what the working world does and how it views parenting. We talk about invisible parenting and some of the challenges that working parents are facing today. So really important episode, especially if you have kids. Enjoy. C-Suite Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wise Up with Christina. I'm so excited to have a good friend, Rainia Mosier, on as our guest for this week. Now, let me just explain what a powerhouse Rainia is. She's a technology leader and cultural architect in the emerging technology group for T-Mobile. And not only that, She has 20 years of experience in management spanning software engineering, tech operations, business operations, and product development. She has extensive hands on the keyboard software development experience. And when she's not in the process of pulling a cross-functional team out of chaos, she's an international public speaker with formal training and experience in acting and stage presence. She's an adept leader of highly distributed global teams spanning multiple time zones and continents, approaches digital product development with an agile mindset, a DevOps sensibility, and a continuous drive for open innovation. She is amazing. She is in a league of her own, and I'm really excited to have her on as a guest because we're going to be talking about something really important. I just want to introduce Rainia Mosher. Hi, Rainia. Welcome to Wise Up. Hi. Thanks so much, Christina. And for um, people that know me at T-Mobile, I go by Ray now, which I know you and I have known each other for a long time. And so, um, so that's a new nickname that I picked up at work for simplicity's sake. But no, I'm so happy to be here. Really glad. Welcome, Ray. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, you and I have known each other for a really long time. I think it's almost 20 years or so. Yeah, right. And so... <laughs> You know, I'm just so, you've just impressed the hell out of me. Like, oh, we've been through a lot together, right? And our careers (laughs) growing and absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. You just impressed the hell out of me. And, you know, you and I were talking, uh, you know, about something that you're passionate about over the, over the past several months. And, and this is why I wanted to have you on as a guest. And, and I just would love for you to, to tell us, you know, what's really on your mind. Well, in addition to all of those other things you've said about me, which thank you so much, um, and just kind of reminding myself that, hey, I've done a lot, cool, um, is that I'm a parent and I am a really um, transparent parent. I have always in my career um, and in my life kind of not put my kids first necessarily, but they've always just been right there with me. 
there's moments in, in your life when you really need, you know, work comes first, home comes first, kids come first and, and you, and you switch it up in a blender. But, um, over the last few months, it's become really interesting as we've shifted into a really virtual work environment with our children at home, for those of us that are parents, um, to hear how much we as a society and as a group of people, working parents, apologize for being a parent. And that has been one of the things I have just become really, really passionate about with my coworkers, with um, my, especially uh, more junior people who are newer um, and still really juggling, how do I raise my children and have a career? And this is for men and women. Um, obviously it does affect women a little bit more because women are, are still, they want, kids want mom. Um, but even for my male, my male coworkers, you know, this has been a thing where, um, we're in, you know, we're interrupted now on a regular basis by our children, and our first instinct is to apologize, and it reinforces what um, is known as invisible or secret parenting, and it is one of the things that, as a society, is actually holding us back to getting the types of systems and support in place that we need to better blend our lives, have healthy, emotionally supported children, have fulfilling careers and work life is because we as a society don't talk about being parents. And our first reaction when our kids interrupt me and or interrupt us is to apologize. Like if he came in right now, my son, I have a four-year-old and a 15-year-old daughter, four-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. And if one of them came in right now, my first instinct would still be to, oh, I'm so sorry for them interrupting. And really that's just, that's just part of my life right now. And it, I can't undo it. I can't change it. I wouldn't want to. Um, I miss daycare. I miss in-person school, but it's just the way it's the way way things are. And what I'm super excited to hear is that, like, as we continue to evolve and grow and go beyond where we are today um, globally, that we'll take that shift away from apologizing for parenting and just accepting it and being like, this is this is part of who I am, um, and go from there. Like, that's what I'm really excited about right now. First of all, your kids are the coolest, so they can come in and interrupt anytime. And as a matter of fact, happy to have the youngest Charlie on as a guest of Wise Up. I think that could be a ton of fun. You know, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because for me, one of the things that that's really important for me is if I don't understand something and I don't know something, I totally lean into it. I don't have children, so I have no idea what this whole topic and issue is about. I can only imagine just from a conceptual standpoint and also from, from knowing you, uh, what this must be like, but on, on the surface for me, it's, you know, I think about like your children are your children. They are a part of you. They are a part of your life. It's, you know, it's almost like apologizing for having like straight hair you know, or apologizing for having curly hair. And it's just, it's there. And not only, by the way, sorry, I'm not trying to compare your kids to hair, but it's okay. you, you, okay. you understand. I get it. I get it. It's part of my identity. Right? I, I'm just like, this is, yeah, this is like who you are. This is a part of you. Um, and it's a natural part of life. And you know, so I want to dig into the sort of psychological kind of, and even philosophical to an extent, like where the apology comes from 
And I'd love to get some insight from you as to why that's happening from what either you've seen or you've experienced. Like, what is that inclination for people to apologize for for having children? It, where where it's come up, I think for me, and there's some really amazing research being done. Um, I'm not good at remembering names and where I read it and everything like that. But there's, you know, if you if you research or you Google secret parenting, invisible parenting, there's a wealth of data and and writing about it, and that's informed a lot of where I've come from over the over the last few years. But um, but it comes from, I think, this idea that we have to have this duality in our lives and we have to separate them. Um, it's something I've been personally struggling with myself right now is like, we're supposed to show up as our authentic selves, as our whole selves at work, but it is really challenging to be a full-time parent and a full-time employee. Um, and we're not meant to do both jobs at the exact same time. Like there is, a, there is um, that's why our, our structures and things are in place. And so whenever your, your family obligations, and, and, and honestly, this, this could probably go beyond just parenting into just family obligations because there are people at different life stages that have different responsibilities where their family in general, their other, the other part of themselves will pull them away from work. And their first instinct is to just, is, is, is a little bit of shame and, um, and to try to cover up with that and to, and to say, oh, that's a weakness. I'm so sorry for that weakness. And then, and then try to move forward, like nothing's happening. And then the flip side is the same too. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my oldest child for missing an event that was important to her because I couldn't be in two places at once and I couldn't show up as my full whole self, you know, in both places. It's getting better now um, as she's gotten older and, and gratefully she's never held it against me that I know of. But, um, but I just remember there, you know, there are times when work really pulls your attention and you apologize to your kids as if you've let them down because maybe you have. And so then that flip comes into your work world too, where you're letting your work family down or your work life down by having to focus on your family. And so it's really trying to live this, this dual life and, and resisting merging them together in a way that allows you to have not balance, but just have them to coexist um, in a meaningful way. And so I refer to it as a work-life blender as opposed to a work-life balance, because there's no balance. There is no perfect balance. It's just all blended together. And hopefully it's a tasty smoothie at the end of the day. (laughs) Healthy, (laughs) tasty, not too gross. (laughs) Let's throw some kale in it. Throw some kale in it, you know, but also get some kale. I don't know. And some banana and some fruit and add your your super greens in. (laughs) Kind of try to get that balance of the sweet and the savory. and, And hopefully at the end of it, you can look back and say, okay, I did a, I did, I did a pretty good job. That was pretty, that was a pretty good day of keeping it all together. Yeah. So you bring up something that I am familiar with, which is this whole like compartmentalization of life. And I think part of it too is slightly generational because you and I are of a generation professional of a professional generation where it's like you turn yourself 
off in, in a way when you are at your job, mm-hmm. like you become, you have to become another person when you are at your job. And I think that this is sort of a legacy thing from our, from our parents that it's just, you, you have your work life and then you have your personal life. And also there's been, at least since I've been in the working world, this massive shift in terms of the demands that jobs have now on on the individual, right? Uh, Because things have accelerated so fast from a technological standpoint, professional standpoint, organizational standpoint, you know, there's a lot that's being asked of us. But what has not adjusted is the attitudes and norms to be able to have this coexistence that you're talking about. Um, You know, we're still, we're still having families, you know, we're still having, you know, we're still getting married, we're still having families or not doing that or, you know, having these lives, the our lives are still happening while this intense sort of new working paradigm is occurring right in front of us. And so I love this notion of this work life blender that you know, that you're talking about. And as a matter of fact, I think we've all been thrown in the blender with COVID, right? Like it's, (laughs) you know, we're now all in the blender. We're all dealing with smoothies in our own right. And, you know, I think we're just trying to sort all this out, you know, thoughts? Thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it absolutely is. One of my one of my, I've had a couple of really interesting interactions with coworkers over the last few months. And the, in the first moment, I noticed um, that apology, that default apology was on a call with someone who is, who's an HR professional, um, long time, long time in HR. And her first reaction when her middle school age son interrupted was, and actually I think he might have been elementary, so like fifth, fourth fifth grade was just uh, I'm so sorry and this was on a on a call when we had a multi a, a cross-sectional group of people at different levels from different parts of of our organization talking about um hiring and recruiting and and everything like that and then later that same week we had um I had a conversation with her and one other person it was just the three of us all women um, all parents at different different life stages of our parenting life. And the same thing happened. And she's like, oh, it's just y'all, I don't care. And the fact that there was that duality was what really started to help me like crystallize how I myself react. Because I'm like, why can't I just accept that this is part of my life right now? Um, regardless of what group I'm in, regardless of who's on the other side. Because my VPs, my SVPs, my CIO, my CEO, they're parents. They're all going through this, the same thing. And it's like, why, why do we feel the need based on the audience that we're talking to, to shift so dramatically? And that's what really, really helped me start to crystallize it. And then I had another interaction recently where we were, I was chatting in a, in a cross-functional group and um, another woman was having a very different experience as a parent than I was um, through, through various avenues and areas. She was able to have full-time childcare throughout the pandemic. She was able to really continue to show up in her, in her kind of default self 
And that was just, that was not an option for me. My child's daycare closed hundred percent a couple weeks after the pandemic started. And I'm like, well, I'm not starting a new one when I can't see, like I can't even meet the people right now. I can't walk into the buildings because of how they were trying to keep childcare available. Um, and so it was just, it was just one of those really, really interesting things. And then I felt myself needing to, to apologize for, for showing up in a different way. And again, it was just that why do we have to apologize? We all are in this, we're all at different points, different stages. Um, and I'm very lucky that that my team I'm on, the people I work with have been very supportive about it. And so now when I hear someone, man or woman, apologize for a parent, and I'm not, I'm not comparing my kids to dogs, but having to deal with their dogs, having to deal with um, a special needs family member, having to deal with an elderly family member, because those are all different parts of life that we're in where our family and our home life just really, we can't, we can't ignore it. We can't compartmentalize it. It's right there all the time. And my, um, my suggestion to people is to resist the urge to apologize, express gratitude, thank the people for their patience, for their understanding, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not holding this against you. They're in there, they're in there with it and they're going to empathize with you um, and, and come from a place of gratitude rather than shame and apology. And it changes the conversation and it makes it not invisible. All of this life that we're living, it makes it not invisible. And from there, I think as we shift the conversation, as we open up that dialogue, for those of us that are in knowledge work, it starts to have longer running effects on policies, on large scale social worlds, so that people that are in not knowledge work roles or essential workers or frontline workers who have to physically be in the office. My younger sister works in research and she has worked this entire time in an office. She doesn't have kids. Um, but she understands like how hard it would have been for her if she had been, because she's an amazing aunt. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's kind of where I'm coming. I'm coming from as I feel that if we start this conversation here with those of us that are in knowledge work with those of us that can stay remote for an indefinite period of time and still be effective in our jobs, um, it will start to shift the larger conversation in the country and have positive long-term effects on just what it means to be a, a working parent, no matter what your job is. Thank you for that. That's like such a wonderful blueprint. And I just want to just tease out a couple of really practical matters that you, uh, that you touched on, because I find it really striking in the comparison between the two different conversations that you had with this person where in one group she apologized, but in another group, she, she felt safer to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, be okay. And I think what you're, what you're hinting at, whether on purpose or, or not, but what I'm picking up on is this, this idea really starts at the top, right? So it starts with leadership, giving people permission or, some sort of signal that showing up in in whatever way that you are showing up, especially if you're a parent, should be okay and it shouldn't be judged. And there should be no comparisons made by someone who is able to manage both their family life and their work life. And it seems seamless for them. They should not be held 
as the standard for everybody else to meet. Because the second thing that I think you also illuminated for me is the notion of childcare and who has access to it and who doesn't. And some people have access to it and some people don't. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody should be treated on this sort of equal playing field when it comes to the notion of parenting and how people are viewed in, in the in the workplace. And the final thing that you raised that I think is really, really um, important is it starts with you. Like the fact, Rainia, that you are helping other parents in your own small team meetings or in your own interactions at work, making setting the example and also making them feel comfortable to show up as a parent and not feel invisible. I think it, you know, that's something that people can do that's very practical is to signal to other people that, hey, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. I'm totally with you. I totally support you. And I think that that's a, another really great takeaway from, from what you just said. So I want to switch gears a little bit because there's something that you say that's like my favorite thing. It's like my new favorite thing. Um, I really, I really love this expression that you have. Um, can you, it's, it's about making the world a better place. Can you share it with everybody? And I'd love for you to explain what you mean by that and how you embody that in your life. Yes, it is not everyone can save the world. Some of us have to make it worth saving. And amusingly enough, um, I start. I said this probably 10 years ago to a working parent, my best friend. We were, we were room moms together in kindergarten. And yes, I was a room mom, but I only because I had a friend that was doing it with me. And I was like, I will help you if you will do it. And she's like, okay. And so I wasn't like, I'm not an alpha mom, but I did, I did love my kindergarten, first grade, second grade room mom stint. It was so much fun working with the littles, but there was just a day when she was overwhelmed with her three children and her particular unique situation. And she's just like, I'm not like what I'm doing isn't important. Like she was just feeling so unimportant in what she was doing because it was just one more thing with her kids and one more thing with with life and being a parent and the family and she's and she's just like how is this important and i was like it is important because not all of us can save the world some of us have to make it worth saving and our kids are so important our children and that next generation and trying to raise the best people we can and and help them become the kind of grown-ups and adults that we want to see in the world is the most important thing some of us will be able to do and i still consider my daughter who is an amazing 15 year old about to be 16 with green short spiky hair and begging for a septum piercing and trying to decide if she wants to be a surgeon or a journalist or a lawyer right like i am so excited about that person going out into the world at some point in the future and, and continuing on what I've done and what, what we've started and what I find important and finding out what she finds important. Um, and like that, that right there is making the world worth saving to me. It is, it is showing up as best you can in whatever way you can. And for those of us that are parents, one of the best ways we can is with our children and making the world 
a great place, the place we want to live, a place we want to continue to um, to thrive in. And then we'll let the activists and the warriors and the politicians and everybody else figure out how to save us. But we've got to at least have something that's worth saving at the at the from the day to day. Um, and, and it really did come out of a parenting conversation because it's so easy when you have little children um, in that that preschool and school and early elementary to just feel like there's nothing you're doing that's important or valuable. <laughs> Raising these small people who always need you every moment of the day. <laughs> what an absolutely beautiful sentiment. And we're going to end on that note because uh, Ray, seriously, thank you so much for helping us wise up about this topic and for your words of wisdom. So heartfelt, so genuine, so kind, and so illuminating. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, Christina. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.